What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whitetail Bloodline Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Sauters. This is episode 98, and I sure got a good one for you on this one. As you can hear in the background, I'm sure I got the crickets and the frogs chirping as I'm trying to edit and get this one dropped. But my guest is Davey Stuckey. He's a big buck killer from Ohio. And in this episode, we talk about two of the 200 plus inch bucks he's killed throughout the years and a bunch in between. This episode definitely does not disappoint. I had a blast recording it. And without further ado, let's get Davey on the phone. So what's going on, brother man? Appreciate you joining me today. Yeah, no problem. How are you guys? I'm doing good, man. Uh, excited to record this one. And just like how we usually start this off, just start off with the background of like who you are and uh, kind of where you're hunting and how you got brought up into the outdoors a little bit. Okay. Uh, well, obviously, my name is Davey Stuckey, but um, I grew up here in southern Ohio, kind of about dead south of Columbus, about an hour for the guys who don't know. And uh, I grew up around there in a little dinky farm town, a one red light farm town. And we lived down a dead end road. And I kind of just always hung out in the woods because, you know, back then there was no internet and cell phones and all that. It was just you kind of just kept yourself occupied. So I spent a lot of time in the woods and watching animals and everything like that. And I I graduated high school and I hunted a little bit in high school. I always chased them big deer, but back then I wasn't smart enough to kill them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and then uh, after that, I when I graduated high school, I went to work here locally in a factory for a few years, and then I just decided to take off to the Army, and I took off to the Army and ended up spending almost 17 years in there, and I was uh, medically retired out in 2016, and, you know, in between that time, I would come home here and hunt a little bit, and kind of only killed one true giant in that 17 years i killed a lot of real nice deer killed a lot of nice deer in kentucky when i was living down there and i got into a little bit of turkey hunting in there and then i came home and then since 2016 i've really been able to to hone in on you know how i wanted to hunt my whole life and just was never able to and in the last five years i've just been lucky and i've killed uh killed two bucks two really big bucks and then i've killed a couple of 180s and put my son on a you know a monster of a deer and he's killed a few other real nice ones so you know timing timing to me is is how it how i'm able to uh capitalize on these big deer yep and i want to start off with saying thank you for your service man appreciate that a lot love the veterans especially serving that long that's uh it's pretty rare not many guys serve that long so i appreciate you thank you and yeah, man, uh, we're not honestly too far from each other. I'm over here in southern Indiana, right by Louisville, Kentucky. So we're probably three, four hours away from each other, something like yeah. that. Yeah. And I and I just started hunting Kentucky last year. I haven't killed no giants like you. I'm I'm still searching for my booner, but so I'm gonna soak up the knowledge from you, and hopefully, I can learn a few things. I killed a I've killed a couple of real nice um, deer right there in western Kentucky. Um, around I don't know if you know where uh, Fort Campbell is, but it's outside of hopkinsville and clarksville tennessee that's where i was stationed at for almost 11 years so i got a couple good hunting properties there when i was in the military at that time yep did you ever do any of those like uh i don't know if you could do it on that base but i'm pretty close to fort knox i know you can hunt that did you ever hunt the base yeah i did it was just hard to hone in on something because you know back then you know there was two wars going on i was home for a year gone for you know 
a year. And then when you were home, you know, for that year or two, you were training, you were always gone. So, and then hunting on post, it was very hard to get the same area all the time. So by the time you start learning the deer and learning that area, the next thing you know, they're training in it. And then that area is kind of shot. So you just try to move on to the next area. So it was real tough, but I just went and beat on doors and luckily ended up with a couple small private uh, parcels up there that had a couple good deer on it. And I was able to, to take a few of those. Heck yeah, can't beat that. So what's your, uh, you ready for season this year? I know you guys open up, I believe, like the 29th in Ohio. Yeah, um, I'm not really looking too forward to this year. I don't have anything picked out yet. Uh, we had a really bad year at EHD in my area, and mm-hmm. it kind of wiped out quite a few really good deer. I had a another 200 that we were kind of watching, and uh, I'm pretty sure he bit the dust and along with the 180s and you know they they hit us hard uh me and a couple of buddies we found 30 36 dead deer and 29 bucks last year on like three different farms wow that's insane like why do you think you guys are getting hit so hard with the hd kind of like a droughty area not much water or something yeah there there was a there was a smaller creek and a pond in this one woods and they seemed to be dead all along that creek and then you know, across the road a mile and a half, we have another farm and it didn't affect it at all. Hmm. You know, I just, I don't know if the, the smaller streams, you know, the, cause they say it's a midge in the mud, yeah. you know, once the water gets so low. So I don't know if that creek was just infested with them or what the deal was, but it kind of hit a couple of our real good farms pretty hard. And that just makes this year tough. You know, um, there's still a few good ones out there and, there were some rumors floating around of another giant in my area, but he's just not quite on me. He's a couple farms over, but he could end up on me, you know? Yeah. And with dealing with all that EHD, like in my area, I've only found like one or two dead deer ever. So I haven't dealt with it much. It, do you see like any like correlations, like the older mature deer dying, the older bucks or the younger deer? Is it just like wipes them all out kind of? Well, what I noticed, it was a lot of the older deer for sure. But when we in the past, this happened to us probably six, eight years ago on one farm that we had. And I noticed when I find does, it's usually a bad year. Now, if I find a few bucks here or there and no does, it seems to be, you know, pretty mild. Mm-hmm. But this year we found quite a few does off the get-go. So we kind of knew it was going to be bad. Yep. But, you know, I don't know if that really correlates to anything, you know, in particular or what. You know, you just never really know. Yeah, because just probably like 20 minutes from me, I used to have this permission farm, pretty big farm, like your typical Midwest ag country. And it's just uh, had a little creek, like you were saying, and a couple of farm ponds, like in the cornfields and stuff. And we found dead deer in there. And like just this area where I'm at, like I'm close to a river and got like creeks. I don't know if that helps, but I just don't really find them too much where I live. Yeah, which, you know, in the past, though, since I've been here, I moved back to Ohio in 2013. And spent my last five, well, well, my last about three or four years in the military around here. And, you know, even growing up, we didn't really have many issues with it. And then, you know, just even in the last 10 years, just that one time, well, last year was really bad. But other times, and that's never been really, really bad. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shame, especially when you get like that buck you've been looking after. I've read some of your articles about some of your bucks and you you have quite a bit of history with some of them. So I'm sure once those big boys die, it kind of hits you hard. 
Yeah, I had one, well, the one that died last year. I I believe he is going to be, you know, 215 to 220, just wide, thick with some junk. And uh, he reminded me a lot of Megalodon, the first real big one that I killed. And, you know, they were 10 miles apart, but he had that type of frame. And uh, he just disappeared. And he lived on us for four years straight. So I knew, you know, I knew something happened to him. And there was three or four other deer in that same bachelor group and we found one of them dead and then we saw one of them on camera it looked like he hadn't eaten in six months and he never showed back up again so i'm pretty sure it got that group yeah yeah it's a big shame so one yeah i, I want to hear these big buck stories a lot of these guys man uh doing these podcasts the ones that people like reach out to me and they tell me they like are these ones where we kind of like dive into like one buck story or two buck story and kind of go a little methodical about it and uh kind of go detailed oriented just because people like hearing those stories especially when it's a mega giant like those two bucks you've killed and uh i've slipped his name again what's the buck that has the crazy point coming out of his eye would you name him t3 yeah t3 that's just one of the craziest bucks i've ever seen just with his pure mass and just his character is definitely a once in a lifetime style bug. Yeah. Well, we'll start um, in 2018. It was, uh, well, it was 2019, actually. I was uh, looking for a set of sheds off his little deer. You know, um, he was probably a 130 inch deer, but he had like a five, six inch drop time. And he was always on this one fence row. So I noticed he dropped his rack here in about early February. So I decided to walk down that trail you know, along the fence and I come upon his sheds and they were laying side by side where he hopped the fence. And so I go back through my pictures and I had pictures of the deer, but it was real foggy that, that night, you know, a lot of moisture on the camera. And I didn't realize he was that big. You know, I knew he was big, but not, you know, the pictures kind of, they don't stick out when they're not clear sometimes. And then when I picked up a shed and I went back and through the pictures and, and I was like, Oh my God, you know, he was, we had the rack scored, but you know, Toby Hughes from Buckmasters. Mm-hmm. I had Toby score him up and he had about 15 to 17 inches probably chewed off of the rack and it still scored 187 with no spread. Wow. So he so, was definitely, yeah, he was 200 inch buck, right? Yeah. He was a giant. And, um, uh, so from there on, I told my buddies, I said, uh, I'm going to try to kill this deer. You know, I said, I got to find him. He showed up. It was, I had pictures of him. I believe it was January 17th or 19th. It was mid to late January when I had pictures of him and I had him one night and that was it. So push how, on. How old do you think he was in like 2019? Well, I was guessing he was a lot older than he actually was then because just of the size of his rack, I figured, you know, a deer with a rack that size, you had to be five, six years old, you know? Mm-hmm. And then as, as the history builds over the time, I realized that I picked him up and they were a set of four-year-olds. Okay. Wow. That's a, that's a hell of a four-year-old. Yeah. yeah. He was a monster of a four-year-old, but we fast forward the next year. And I mean, I put cameras everywhere across the road where I had permission. I mean, everywhere I could stick a camera. I had like 25 cameras on these two farms in the area he was in and never, got one picture of him, never got one sighting of him, nothing. And then, uh, so the following year I did the same thing, but then in July and August, I ride the roads a lot. I mean, a lot. I'm searching every bean field around anywhere I possibly could try to knock on doors and get permission or anywhere near the farms I'm at already. 
And uh, I happened to spot him behind my neighbor's, well, not my neighbor's house, but one of my buddy's houses. And he was living in a fence underneath this great big giant oak tree. And every day he would stand up and walk behind their house in this little dinky woodlot. And then inside that woodlot, there was a pond. And I mean, on the backside, it was all grass and crops. There was crops everywhere. And I thought, there's no way, you know, this deer, that's got to be him. So I get the spot and scope out, and sure enough, it was him. So, um, Do you think he was just, like, holding tight in that little area, not traveling a whole lot? Yeah, all summer. You can see him there all summer long. And uh, as soon as he drops velvet, he disappeared on me, and I could not find him. And then from where he was living at in the, my buddy's fence row, to where I actually picked up his sheds is probably about two miles. Wow. So, you know, I don't know what brought him over there in January. If somebody had pushed him out that, you know, the year before or what, when I found the sheds or did a doe drag him over there late season or, you know, you never really know what brought him over there. And uh, so when he dropped velvet that year, I couldn't find him again. So the next year come along and there were some rumors that he was in the, in the field where uh, my son shot his buck at, which is not real far away from where he was living. But that same year, the next year he did the same thing. He was living behind my buddy's house in that fence row all summer long in velvet. And uh, so when he dropped velvet, he disappeared again. So I expanded my search and I found him down the road about three or four miles in another ditch line in a bean field after he had dropped his velvet. Really? So were you just like glassing, stopping every once in a while, checking like spots you'd think of a deer would be, and then you just spotted them? Yeah. Well, that farm, I actually had permission to hunt that farm, but it's uh, basically a waterway and maybe a acre wood lot on it and, you know, a huge bean field. I bet the bean field was 250, 300 acre bean field. And he was in one of the fence rows out there just eating beans so I started realizing this pattern and I thought, well, you know, I can get on this deer. And cause I had permission on that farm before and I never really hunted it cause there wasn't nothing there really. So I went and talked to the farmer and he was laughing at me and patted me on the back. He was like, yeah, everybody's trying to kill that deer. Go ahead, you know? And, uh, so I went back there and I put up cameras everywhere and I never got one picture of him. And, but you know, you go in town at a restaurant you go anywhere and everybody was always showing pictures of him. And, uh, I mean, picture, people had pictures of him there saying up to five, six miles away during the rut the year before. So this deer is definitely a traveler. And yeah, then especially a buck like that, it's a very noticeable buck. And yeah, you, you said you're in a pretty small town, right? So I, I know yeah. like, uh, I'm from a semi small town where I live and my mom's from a super small town. I know word <laughs> travels fast. Yeah. I mean, and also the year before I killed him, I bet you he was 40, maybe 50 inches bigger. I mean, no he, was just, he was just way bigger. Uh, I saw some pictures of him and had some video of him. Some guys were floating around. I don't exactly know whose videos and pictures they were, but they got around, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, people just couldn't keep him a secret. So here I am in this fence row now, you know, where I found him. So I found out where he velvet. I found out where he would go once he lost his velvet. So now I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm on this deer. So I went and set up cameras all over that fence row and he's uh, in the little wood lot, the waterway. And I never got one picture of him the rest of the summer and uh, across the road, which is the same farmer. 
there's a ditch row about 60 yards off and it's got huge trees and all the way down it. And the ditch actually runs all the way to the next road, which is, I think I measured it up. It was like almost a two mile long ditch. Wow. And, uh, you know, I didn't know what else to do. So I just went over there and I had one camera one day and one bag of big time left. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get stick it on the closest tree, the first tree that sticks out and I can get a good picture of something. I went right by the road put that camera up throughout a bag of big time to try to draw something in. And two days later, I started getting pictures of him every day, all day. He was literally really? living 60 yards off the road. Good. Them bucks, man, they, they know where like those little hidden spots are. Like I've talked to quite a few people that killed some giants and they're usually in those just weird spots. You would never even think about hunting. Yeah. I mean, this dude was sleeping in front of my camera for six, seven hours at a time. I mean, he was, he was, I mean, he was just right there by the road and everybody else was hunting. There was a 90 degree curve off that ditch and everybody would park at that 90 degree curve and walk, walk, you know, towards the east. Nobody walked to the left, which is about 250 yards that went along the road. No one did. And that, that's where that deer was at. So did the farmer just let a bunch of guys, like basically if somebody asked to hunt, he's like, yeah, go hunt it. Yeah. He kind of like, uh, well, he's got his farm hands that get first choice, but this farmer probably owns, I mean, 20,000 acres all over the place around here. Uh, very nice people. They, they let anybody hunt, but it's kind of first come first basis. So he's got a couple friends that get to hunt certain spots every year, but then there's guys like me at stop and he'll be like, well, yeah, nobody stopped and asked for this section of the road yet. You can hunt over there if you want. So I always kind of just stop in there and ask for who's not hunting a certain area. And I'll just keep that in the back pocket in case, you know, you never know what's going to show up somewhere or you never know when you might need a random spot to hunt. Yep, exactly. It's kind of funny as I'm sitting here, I'm looking out the back window and just saw a deer going through my food plot. <laughs> <laughs> He's hungry. It's getting evening time. <laughs> yeah, dude. But uh, when you got those first pictures of him, what time frame was that? It, it was 11 o'clock on a Sunday night. I, I remember it was eleven seventeen. I know exactly what time it was because I had to take a double take. Like I just laid down in bed and I was like, well, let me check my cameras, you know, before I close my eyes here. And I seen it and I was like, holy crap, you know, and I, the first picture was him just walking straight towards the camera and it was noticeably him, you know. Was he slick horned at this time or was he still in velvet? He was hard horned. Okay. And so was this like October? Yeah, it was mid-October. I believe it was October 17th. Okay. So That's about um, for like my properties. That's when the bucks start shifting quite a bit, it seems like. is that mid-October is when you start seeing a bunch of the new bucks. Yeah, because, you know, around here where I'm at, it's mostly all cropland. So once they start picking the crops and they start rubbing, you know, and, well, they should start making scrapes, I should say, not rubbing, but if they start making scrapes and the crops come off, they just they scatter to the wind. You know, they start leaving their bachelor groups and everything yep i'm sure that got you fired up was that a card pull camera where you you got a cell camera that was a cell camera yeah i bet you felt good about that one you know put it in that spot man we're just gonna leave that there for a while yeah and it was funny because my buddy's like you're an idiot it's right there by the road he's just gonna get stolen (laughs) yeah yeah. and i was like what at this time i was like whatever dude i was like i don't know where this deer went he was just over there a month ago across the road in this bean field you know i was like he can't be that far in my mind i'm thinking i knew where he velveted you know i knew once he turned hard horn i found him in the field across the road so i was like 
how many more places is this deer going to go to, you know? And this is also when I started putting the age thing together. I'm like, I was talking to all these people at the restaurants and, you know, when you go eat or whatever, and they were like, oh man, I've had that deer on camera off and on for three years. And, you know, and so I just start calculating and putting things together. And I was like, man, this deer's seven, eight, maybe nine years old. I was like, he's got to be right in there. Yeah, that's crazy old. That's a, definitely a trophy in itself, just killing a buck that old. Yeah, so the next day, it was like 30-mile-an-hour winds. And uh, I run down there, and I kind of creeped up there, and I just sat in the edge of this cornfield. There was a edge of a cornfield right where that grass meets the ditch and everything. And I, and sure enough, here he comes. You could just – the grass was so thick, the only thing I could see was the tips of his rack. I mean, it was real thick. And uh, so uh, since the wind was blowing so hard, I was like, I can't shoot him like this. I can't even see him, you know, except the top of his rack. So I mm-hmm. creep down and get 30 yards from him, kind of the way the direction the wind's blowing. And uh, I crawl up there and I take a knee and I thought, oh, this is a great shot. I can see his back. You know, I, I should be able to kill him. And I switched over to a crossbow that year. Uh, I got a lot of back issues, so. You know, I can go sometimes and shoot my compound for a month, and then for two or three weeks, I can't even pull it back. So I just, mm-hmm. you know, decided to time to quit fighting it, and I went to a crossbow. So I'm thinking, in my mind, I've never really used a crossbow much. So I'm thinking, oh, I, this is going to be an easy shot. Well, I shot through that great big tall grass, and I missed him. And uh, I thought, what in the world? Well, luckily, the camera the cell camera had uh, had it on video mode and had caught the miss on camera no way that's yeah. badass it's awesome so you could hear it just whistling so i got to thinking about it i was talking to my buddies afterwards i told him i just missed that deer at 30 yards and you know i don't know how i did it and so it's like this big thick egyptian grass is what them guys were all calling it i'm not sure if that's the right right type of grass it was but it's real thick well, mm-hmm. they said, dude, it pro- it opened up your broadhead. It had to. And it didn't even come close to him. It just sailed. And you could hear it whistling in the video. And I thought, well, I might have just blew that because now he's probably going to take off. And uh, so Oh, yeah. So what, what was your emotions like that? Because I know me personally, like I've missed some giant bucks, like bigger bucks than I've killed. <laughs> I've, I've missed my younger days. And I'm so hard on myself for like what I missed. Like it, it ruins at least a day for me. Oh, yeah, it did me that whole night. I didn't really sleep. I was kicking myself in the butt. Like, man, how could you screw it up with a crossbow in my mind? You know, like, it don't get no easier than that, but it's really not that much easier, you know? And, yeah, uh, I, I used a crossbow <laughs> growing up when I was younger, and my experience, like, if you hit a deflection with a crossbow, I feel like it's way worse than with a bow. I don't know if it's because it's shooting a little bit harder or just the smaller <laughs> bolt and makes it move more, but... I've had mine shift like five or six feet shoot 30 yards. <laughs> yeah, but you're like, you know, you shot compound um, pretty much most of my life. And then you go to crossbow and you think it's so much simpler. And then you screw up an easy 30-yard shot, you know, sitting on your <laughs> knee. So I was pretty devastated all night. And then uh, so he was gone that whole night on the 18th, and he showed back up on the 19th. And I thought, holy same spot so i thought holy crap so i went back out there on like the 20th and i hunted him for four or five days straight and i sit in the same spot and everything and he never 
he never showed in the day. Like there was one time that I literally walked out and it was like a three minute walk. Cause I walk up around this edge of the cornfield just so nobody sees me. And, um, I pop out and I had my wife or my daughter or one of my buddies pick me up. I wouldn't even drive over there. Cause it seems like I kind of got the reputation around here as if someone sees my truck, they know I'm probably not chasing a 150 if it's <laughs> mid to early October, <laughs> you yeah. know, for now sure. if it's a rut, you know, it's whatever. But, you know, people are like, oh, Davey's not going to be out there for a 150-inch deer in mid-October. So I just would not drive my truck over there. And uh, so I sat in that cornfield, and finally the wind got bad on me. The wind started coming out of the south. So the next day I drove around on my four-wheeler, and I stuck a stand up on the other side of this ditch in a little finger that stuck out. And... uh so I couldn't get a ride all the time. You know, I have two kids, a, a wife, and, you know, life happens. And yep. so I couldn't uh, – my son didn't have his driver's license at the time. So we uh, – I would take my truck and I would hide it behind that little acre-and-a-half woodlot across the road and unload my fuller and drive it to the end of that ditch. Well, every time I did that, he wouldn't show up at all till like, late, late at night. So I told my buddy, I said, he's living at the very end of that ditch and I'm parking beside him. He's like, no way, but maybe he is. I said, well, every time I walk in that way, he never shows for hours. I said, on the days I didn't hunt, he's there in the daylight. You know, so I'm like, he's got to be, he's got to be living in that set section we thought he was living in. And I said, but I'm parking right beside him, I believe. And so, I've, I've heard that a lot. I, Joe Miles, I don't know if you know who he is. I did a podcast yeah. with him and he had the same thing. He was after a big buck. They couldn't figure it out. And then he was just, the buck was sitting basically where they were parking right behind a little house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so I told my buddy, I said, you know what I'm going to do? I said, I'm going to park down the road. I said, it's um, October 30th anyways. I said, everybody thinks, you know, everybody else should be out hunting, getting ready for the rut anyways. So I parked way on down the road and I walked clear up and around and around this bean field. And I uh, climbed up my stand and I did it about an hour before daylight. And I know, cause I noticed on the cameras, he was staying up later in the mornings, you know, like he was staying out till eight thirty, nine o'clock, nine thirty, nine fifteen, you know, in the mornings. And I think it's cause it was, you know, how it heats up in the daytime, that time of year. And then in the mornings, it's still a lot cooler for a couple hours. So I went over there and I climbed up in that stand an hour before daylight and I was sitting there and, about 8.30, you know, does start going back down to the right where I thought they were bedding at. And next thing I know, I heard a big old grunt. And he just comes running out of the ditch chasing those does around. And uh, he's chasing does all around, and they ran right back in the ditch with one doe. So I thought, oh, man, you know, I have a shot. Well, I had a, I had a, um, a pile of big tine out there, and it was pretty much gone. I just was trying to stay out of there, so I didn't even replenish it. Well, this one little doe come up and stood right where that pile used to be. And next thing I know, he comes back out of the ditch and he's standing there at 53 yards, lip curling. He's around me and I stuck him at 53 yards. Oh, there's nothing better than that, like late October, early November, hearing them leaf crunching, that buck chasing those does. Nothing better. <laughs> yeah. All morning, there was a little bit of action there, you know, does getting bumped by these little dinky bucks and then he just come out of nowhere and um when i stuck him he ran to the right well my right you know and 
standing there for about two seconds and I could see the blood just coming out and I pinwheeled him and he turned around and ran right back down to the ditch. And, um, so I called the game warden. I called a couple buddies and said, I just stuck him and the game warden's like, well, I'm not coming out there and tracking a deer all day. So, you know, what's the deal? And I said, well, when I went down there and stuck an arrow, you know, where he went into the ditch, I said, I marked the blood right there by the ditch where he went in. I said, I looked up and I could see him dead, you know, laying across the ditch. So I didn't even walk over to him. I just walked back to the truck and waited on everybody. Yeah, and, it was a buck that big, man. And when he was like bumping them does, do you think he was like the dominant, the dominant buck in the area? Kind of sounds. Oh like. yeah, I mean, I knew he was before that because my cameras, like there might be a hundred forty inch deer show up for one day, and he was gone. You know, yeah. and then like there was a quite a few little ones, you know, running around there, but they weren't anywhere near him or anywhere near the, that group of does that that was up there near me. Like yeah, he, you could tell he kept everything chased off i've noticed with those like smaller bucks like mainly you're like one year olds sometimes you're two year olds those older like big mature bucks sometimes they'll put up with a little bit more of their slack but like you get a pretty good mature buck like with a buck like that they don't put up with that yeah there was one other decent buck in there i thought was four or five years old but they were never together and when that deer was there he wasn't there but maybe he would he would stop and hit that big time pile across the ditch for maybe maybe five minutes and then he was gone and then you might not see him for two weeks yeah know, so he kept him pushed out of there quite a bit so what was going through your head you call the the dnr officer you know he's dead you see him laying there so what, what's kind of going through your head as you're you're waiting on him to show up and i'm sure you probably called your buddy maybe your wife you know yeah well i call i called my three buddies i didn't call my wife because she she don't care about deer hunting uh, <laughs> yep, yep, you know she's just like okay whatever you know like she don't she don't care that i hunt she's not against hunting or anything but she just she's nonchalant about it she don't care you know yep. so i uh called my two buddies called the game warden and i actually texted my wife and said well i, I killed him and <laughs> he was like okay you know and Good job, uh, yeah well, whatever you know <laughs> my buddies are like they're all flying out there and then the game warden shows up and he's like look here we go i i gotta run your name for warrants i gotta <laughs> check your license all your tags i need your permission slip and everything like that and so you know everybody got there and he checked everything and we were good to go we drove down there and we walked up to the deer and you know, it was like a big celebration. I had the video of that, but I can't really post it because my buddy said the F word about 6,000 times in three minutes. He yeah, was, it's hard to do, man, like, with those emotions running on the high that high, you know. Yeah, he was more excited than I was. I think I was kind of in shock because it's like, there's no way this just happened to me again, you know. It, it's typically a once-in-a-lifetime type of deer, and, and I, I've been lucky enough to do it a, a few times you know with a, with big deer you know and so i'm just looking at him and um so i just turned around to the game warden and was like what do you want me to do and he was like i would prefer you you have the app i said yeah he said i prefer you to tag it right now so i tagged it showed him the tag we drug it up to the truck we let we i made the game warden take a few pictures with me which he hated it he don't like pictures yeah and, i think uh, I, I feel like i've seen that picture before <laughs> there's a few of them like i'll I'll show people, but he, uh, he's like, we're not done yet. So he made me go back to where I thought the deer was standing. And, uh, 
we he range find it, make sure it was right around fifty three yards, and we track the blood track all the way back down to where we drug it out of the ditch. Like he he had to cross all of his T's and dot all of his I's, you know, because this deer is like it's famous. This deer is famous in my area. I mean, yeah, I can tell you. I remember one of the articles I read. It was like said something just like that like the header was like famous ohio legend or something like that <laughs> yeah it was like it was just unbelievable and and i typically film everything and i just quit filming the last couple of years i just got tired of packing all that stuff in and with my back issues and stuff like that i just it wasn't feasible for me to do it and then you know to get really good footage you almost need a buddy with you sometimes especially during the rut you know, because deer are chasing, you don't have time to really move the camera around. And guys that film will know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. I, say, I do it. Like, it is definitely yeah. hard. I, I self-filmed that Kentucky public land buck last year, and I yeah. got lucky that I got him on film because he, like, had me pinned, and I just pushed the camera where I thought he was going to walk, and he happened to walk right in the frame. Yeah, I mean, if you're by yourself, it sucks trying to film, you know. And uh, But, yeah, we got him loaded up, and – took all the pictures and I had him scored by, by Buck Masters and then I had him scored by Ohio Big Buck and all that and you know and then I think what makes him famous besides his um his palmations you were talking about was he has a two and a half inch tine growing out of the corner of his eye socket, which he was not blind. His eyes were glowing in every picture, but it was kind of pussy like it messed up his tear duck. And um they said he actually shed that and grew it back every year. Yeah, so, I saw a picture of it when I was reading through those articles. It's, it was extremely wild, man, like just how it grew. I've never yeah. seen that much. I don't know if you know um, – oh, my mind's slipping here. I'll think of his name, but he told me – he actually did a little video at uh, the ATA when I had him there. He said when deer okay, – I thought it was at the ATA. I got a video. One of my reels is with him. I was like, I could have sworn that was him. Definitely did, because I was at the ATA show. Yeah, he was at the at the time. He's at the big time booth. Okay. Yeah. 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 He. Uh, they say that when they get injured, there's particles around their antlers, and when those particles will settle down by their eye or you know the top of their eye or like a unicorn point, and they'll grow. He said that they've actually um, this Kip Camp uh, Kip. Uh, Kip Adams, I believe it's Kip Adams. Yeah, it sounds familiar. He said that they've actually taken those particles and put them on deer's legs and grew antlers off their legs. No way. Wow. Who would have ever thought that? I've never heard that before, honestly. Yeah, I didn't either until he told me that. And Because uh, Kip actually did a little video and talked about it, and it's out there somewhere. But, yeah, he said that uh, they do that, and then once they grow, they'll shed, shed and grow back every year. So wow. it actually attaches to a bone. So after you shot this buck, how quick was it before like word got out and people started reaching out to you for magazines and all that business? Oh, I mean, it kind of happened. Like I shared the picture and it was 24, 48 hours. I had, he was blowing up the internet. He actually like outdoor life field and stream. Um, well, obviously Toby from buck masters, you know, it hit me up, uh, everybody around kind of hit me up north american whitetail guys hit me up and uh, he actually just a couple of days ago the magazine came out for buck masters and uh, north american whitetail and he was in both of them for the same month it's like yeah, what's the odds of being in the same magazine in one month 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Was that your first time being in the magazine, or did you get it with the other big buck? Yeah, I got it with the other big one. I got into the rack, and uh, he kind of more blew up the internet than he did anything. And then um, with the first one, um, Gordon Whittington actually called me, and I went down and did a big buck profile for for their show down there, and they do it in Adamston, uh, Adams, Ohio. That's awesome. Yeah, that buck, man, there's like nowadays with people – like more people doing land management, a lot more people are passing like your smaller age class bucks. You're just starting to see these 200 inch bucks. Like, um, not I wouldn't say often, but it's just happened a lot more often than it used to. But that buck being the 200 he is, he's just so unique. Yeah. And I actually believe they scored him as a typical eight, you know, well, mainframe eight. So he's got three drop times and then the palmation was almost nine inches on the one side, I think he had almost, I think it was 40, almost 40 inches of mass. Wow. Holy moly. That's insane. So what, what did he actually end up scoring? Uh, 228 and four eights. Yeah. It's going to be a hard one to top brother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was, he was, he was a good one. Yeah, man. Congratulations on that, that buck. That's just, that's incredible. That's that's a crazy story, especially for missing him and then uh, getting a second chance at him. That doesn't happen very often either. Yeah, and finding him for me, like, you know, finding him six miles away and having to be on the only random farm up that way that I could hunt. That was just that was just like it was meant to be, you know. Yep, for sure. I'm a big believer, man, and people that put in the work and put in the time and, like, grind pretty hard, good things happen to those guys. And sounds like you definitely put in many hours glassing for that bug. Yeah, uh, I had to sell my truck. You know, I got too many miles on it. Everybody's like, how many you got that many miles on that truck? It's like, cause in July and August, man, when I'm home from my boy plays travel ball. So when we're, we come home from Florida, usually in like end of July, from July all the way till opening day, I'm cruising the roads, you know? Look, yep. I, so I do the same thing. I'm kind of like the areas you're describing kind of sounds like where I live. Cause it's got some woods in it, but it's got big ag fields and stuff. And I always go hit the, go the back way and hit the big soybean fields, big, like three, 400 acre fields all together. And today I actually saw, they're not my shooters. I wouldn't shoot them, but I got like a nephew and my dad hunt and they don't hunt as often as I do. So they are not after the same age caliber, but saw two of those bucks. So it made it worth it this afternoon, right before this podcast. Yeah. If you, for us, if you have a, like the biggest woodlot that I have is like 23 acres. Everything else is half that and smaller. Like it's mostly all crops here. Wow. Okay. So we got good crop fields, but we still got a good mixture of woods. Like around me, there's a couple hundred acres for sure. And we got like long fingers too, where it'll be like fields on both sides kind of. And then like the Creek will have probably 200 yards of woods going for a couple miles. Yeah. We, we don't have that typically. Like, you know, um, well, I'll give you an answer. I have a farm that's 444 acres, and I bet you 425 of it's tillable. Wow. Yeah, see, that's crazy. You wouldn't think, like, them deer would hold up in those areas as much as they do, but the more I talk to guys about these giant bucks, like, that's where they are. Like, to talk to guys from Kansas and the, the open plains, you talk to guys in, like, some of your Wisconsin's different states. A lot of them bucks hold up in those like small woodlots, and some of them not even in woodlots. They're just sitting in the middle of a little drainage, like that yeah. buck you found. 
Yeah, that's where I find a lot of my sheds is in those drainage ditches and you know, or just randomly out in the middle of an open field. And yeah. they're just there. I have sure. a buddy who uh an army buddy who lives out in Kansas and the last two years he sent me two deer over two twenty out in Kansas and and I'm like, dude, he's just out in the middle of a big grass field. He goes, he just lays down right out there, or he'll be by this one pine tree a couple of days a week. I'm like, yeah, that's that's how it is here in Ohio. You know, if you can if you can find them, you know, your entry and exit becomes the issue then because it's so wide open. Yep, because being like a, a you're not an old man, but an older guy than I am, um, is it like certain areas like this buck that you were after? Do like certain like counties and their parts of the counties hold bigger bucks over there in Ohio? Um, yeah, kind of seems like, uh, you know, where we're at, like I killed him and actually in Fayette, but it seems like our neighbor Ross County, uh, has a, a lot more, a lot more, well, I should say bigger deer. You know, there seems to be more 200s killed there than there is here. So it seems like yep. it's in pockets around here. Um, and then same thing, like if you go up towards, uh, like in Shockton and Licking County, if you look at those counties, they're always really good. And Fairfield County, it just seems like there's a handful of pockets around that do seem to hold the, the bigger deer. Yeah. Like Indiana's kind of weird. I'm just about as south as you can be in Indiana. And like a lot of big deer die up north because it gets a lot more flat. And it's kind of the, like the the land you're talking about where there's not as much woods. It's more agricultural land. And like here I've had this property. We're going on 11 years. And I don't think I've, ever had a 200 inch buck on camera i've been able to hunt a few of these properties around here and i've done a lot of glassing and stuff throughout the years like we've had a couple that were like pretty close like you were saying earlier like trail camera videos or pictures they don't do justice sometimes i've noticed especially on picture mode and depending on like what camera model you're using they're they look smaller on the camera and then you see them in person you're like oh shit yeah that's exactly what happened with with uh t3 because you know i just had three pictures of him as the whole time you know and then uh i didn't have another picture of him until four years later mm-hmm. you know, i seen him you know i seen him in the summertime a couple times during in the velvet but other than that that was it and the first time that i scrolled through there and saw him on camera i just i honestly thought he was a 180 inch deer just by guessing the way the camera took the pictures and how foggy it was yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Like those two little bucks I saw today, they're three year old. One might be older. He's got like a good right side. He's a five point on his right side and his left side is just a main beam with a G two, like smaller. And sometimes in like this area we get a bunch of those weird bucks. But they were definitely looked bigger than I thought they were. Once I saw them slick horn, slick antlers for the first time this year from I mean, I've gotten pictures of them all summer since they had nubs, but yeah, once you see them in person, that's that's when you can really judge them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you want to talk about, uh, we don't have to talk about this one as much in depth, but I'd like to talk about that other giant you killed because he was a giant, but just a different looking giant. He he was pretty wide, wasn't he? That yeah, he was a uh, 26 and an eighth oh. wide. Yeah. Dang. That's definitely wide. That's yeah. crazy. He, uh, he was a kind of a deer that, you know, I had on and off pictures of him. He went from 155 inch deer to, probably mid 180s and then he blew up to 232 and um he was uh he kind of lived in the same same creek area that you know i hunted and i just never could figure him out and then the last year i caught him in the bean field and i i just honed in on him what i did was i just kept watching him watching him and i couldn't get in within 150 yards of him 
So I just sat there and watched him, and I noticed as it got closer to rut, he started getting up earlier and earlier, and he started going down to this one corner of the property. And that corner, I knew that there was um, um, trees I could get a tree stand in. So I, one of the tactics I use is I waited, I wait for it to storm or rain, and during that, right before it storms or rains, or right during it's raining, I'll run over there and you know move cameras or put up tree stands and that's what I did and I ended up killing him out of that tree stand like seven days later. Yep I definitely believe in that doing that stuff right before like a good rain's coming because it's worked wonders for me just like moving trail cameras to spots I don't want to really go into but you know you kind of need a camera in there. Yeah I think if if it's raining hard enough they use typically stay bedded and then the other thing is you know scent equals pressure to deer so mm-hmm. I, I feel just when you can have it instantly washed away it is the best thing you can do. Now, I know guys work and I do it too. Like, you know, we ain't had rain in two weeks here. Well, I picked up a new farm, so I just run out there and put up cameras. You know, sometimes you got to do it anyways. It just, yep. you can't get by with it. And, um, but that's a big tactic that I like to use because I, I don't typically use any scents, no deer peas. I don't rattle. I don't grunt. I just wait for the deer to either keep making the same mistake. I learn what you know patterns the deer do. I try not to put anything unnatural in a deer's area except for me and my cameras. Yep, I say I'm big believer in like your like prehistory data because I've learned, especially hunting this property, I've hunted for so many years. Like the bucks just tend to do the same thing. It could be a different buck, like, and your young bucks will do the same thing. I've noticed, and your mature bucks will move through the property almost in the same way. Like sometimes yeah. it switches for each buck, but like you could there's spots on this property i could sit every every single year during the rut and i'd kill a buck might not kill a giant but i kill a good mature buck you know yep that's exactly it because i have guys send me pictures of mega giants all the time with their with their maps and their cameras and pictures and you know it's like hey what do i how do i need to do to kill this deer and i'm just sometimes i'm just like man if i don't know your farm i can't really help you out because you know the farm the one farm i have i could put you in this one spot and you'd be like you're a moron but you know what? Every evening at late season, there will be 60 deer in front of you within 30, 40 yards. And there's not even a woodlot or a fence row within 300 yards of this spot. It's just an old falling down barn, you know. Yep. But for some reason, just like you said, it seems like the deer are kind of just, they grew up doing that with the, with the older herd. So whatever the older herd does, they do. And then when they get older, they still do the same thing. And the younger deer are following them, them deer around. Yep, it is It is pretty wild, man. It's, it's kind of funny how they do. Like, we, we start to understand white tails, and then they'll do some things where we'll never understand them at the same time. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, I know everybody loves the rut, but that's the most unpredictable time there is to kill a deer because you just never know where that doe is going to drag him. Mm-hmm. He's not on a pattern. He's just chasing her randomly. Now, yep. this is... Don't get me wrong. I love to be out there too. I love to see them chase, and sometimes I get lucky and they come right by you too. But yep, for sure. Like this property I have, it's a family property. It's actually the last year I'm hunting it, so I've been doing a bunch of work on it this year, like adding more food plots and the CRPs growing more than it ever has. And this property is honestly the most consistent. It's like it's consistent, not consistent during the rut. It's like. That first week of November, if I'm after my target buck, even if I haven't seen him in a while, I better be in that a stand as often as I can that first two weeks of November because that's when the biggest bucks just come through this property, and I've learned that throughout the years because we're kind of like I always call it a fawn factory. 
because we always have the farms, we always have the mature does. So it's just a matter of time. And I've also yeah. learned, and I have a theory that these like big bucks, they come and like search like your property, maybe a time or two a year to come see like, oh, Susie, big old mature doe I've been messing with the past three years. She's still here. So, and then I think they come back knowing she's going to be in the area once uh, that testosterone rises. And uh, she starts coming into estrus because a lot of the time your does are coming to estrus just about almost like to the day. Yeah. Yep. I feel the same way. I agree with that a hundred percent. Like, you know, we try to shoot as many does as we legally can. Like I'll bring kids in veterans in and kill as many does as I can on some of the farms I have. And, but it's just like the bucks know that there's a big pile of does there or there's a herd of does there and they, they come back every year. Yep. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Like this property, the CRP is finally, like I've been managing this property. Luckily my, like my mom and dad, since I was in high school, just basically gave me free reign and let me do what I want. And this was the first year where it's like finally coming together and it's just like looking killer. I'm pretty sure I'm going to get it done. I got a, a, a great buck. This property, man, I'm chasing this big buck and uh, hopefully it works out. I haven't seen him in a while, but I have past history with him and uh, I think I'm going to be able to get it done. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's way with me. I just, I kind of watch these deer every year and I've got a handful of the same farms I hunt every year. And it, it's, it's been working out for the past five years for me. And I'm going to stick to that plan. And, you know, I just tell guys the hardest, you could be the best hunter in the world or worst, worst hunter in the world. You can't kill him if he's not there. Yep, you know, 100%. So finding the deer is one, you're into your next, it's two, you know, and then you got to pass your little bucks. And, you know, I don't want guys to mistake for, I'm saying past little bucks, but what I'm saying is, you know, if he's a 165 inch, five, six year old, he's probably not going to get much better. But if he's a three, four, five year old and he, and he puts on 20 to 30 inches every year in those two or three years I just named, then that's a deer that probably has the potential that you want to pass. Yep. And, you know, that I've noticed anyways. Yeah, bucks are weird. Like sometimes you get a buck, he'll have a bad year, and he might blow up the next year. But usually, as a three-year-old, you could tell if he's going to be a giant or not. Yeah, I mean, you know, the beam length and the and the thickness, and you know how wide he is, and if he's got extra points, and you know, from three to five, you typically can tell if they're going to be a, a big one. And I feel if they're if you've got a six-year-old and he's you know, not much better than 165 inches. He probably, he's probably never going to reach that 200 mark, but you also got to be careful because those are the type of deer becomes bullies and they keep your young deer pushed off. That potentially could be a 200 inch deer. You yep, know, I think that we've, we've had issues with that. Like I was saying earlier, we get a bunch of them bucks that'll have like a really beautiful right side. And then they'll have like a, a trash left side or they'll just be a trash buck. And I've noticed in this area, them trash bucks, they can put a whooping on them bigger bucks just because I, I think it's because they can lock in their horns in between them a little better. Yeah, I've noticed that too, like a deer with uh, a weird rack. Some of the deer don't want to mess with them because they get, you know, it's easier for them to get jabbed in the face. Yep, yep, for sure. So one thing I thought was pretty cool and uh, probably something that you enjoy now is you said your son hunts with you and stuff, and you said he killed a, a good buck so what was that like you having the passion growing up killing these big bucks and then kind of like passing that off to your son yeah it was kind of weird like uh my dad don't really hunt nobody in my family really hunts i mean we have a few guys that would 
you know, we'd used to get together on Thanksgiving morning and, you know, we'd walk a couple fence rows and kill some pheasants back then when there was some around. But, you know, he plays so much sports. I mean, he don't really get a hunt a lot. So it's almost like me having a second tag, except I don't get to pull the trigger, you know. And, yep, uh, that's exactly how it is with me and my nephew. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my boy at the time, he was playing baseball, basketball, football. So we went literally from one sport to another. And the deer he killed, you know, he killed a 198 with a four-inch broken off tine. So the deer wow. should have been 201. And he missed him the first day. He did what Dad did. You know, missed him. <laughs> well, he actually grazed him. And the deer came right back the very next day. I mean, 10 minutes after shooting light. So, you know, that was like on a random night that he got a hunt and then the deer daylighted five or six times before we was able to get back in there again because he had to wait clear till Christmas break to go back in and hunt because he was playing basketball. Yeah, so. for sure. I, I remember that in my younger days because I loved football, man. I played football in my like <laughs> younger days a lot. And then I realized uh, I like deer hunting a little more and football is right in the middle of primetime deer season so. I stopped playing football and started chasing whitetails. <laughs> That's what I did, but he won't do it. I mean, he's probably he, as long as he stays healthy and keeps progressing, he'll go to he'll go to college for baseball. He won't go for basketball or football, which he might be able to go for football if he really worked hard. But he said he's not going to play football after high school. Yeah, it's, it's kind of how some of the kids are. Because like my oldest brother, we used to live in South Dakota. I'm the baby of the family. He shot this giant 10-point. I can't remember how big my dad said it was. And my dad trying to do the right thing. It crossed the property line. And the landowner actually ended up taking that deer in. And I think it won second or third in state that year for a typical. <laughs> so, uh, but my, after that happened, I think it was like a few days later, they like drew a rifle tag that year. And then my brother shoots this like 11-point, like great buck for his like first buck, great buck. And then same thing, he quit. Pull, or quit hunting and start playing baseball like all the time and that's what he still does he's like he's old he's almost 40 now and he still plays slow pitch softball but some people just get ate up with different things you know yeah it's at a yeah his first buck it, it was 25 inches wide it scored 156 that was his first buck he ever killed when he was like 11 and yeah then, that's uh, awesome well before that he he kind of gets the you know, he was unrealistic. He was looking at my wall and then a deer would walk up and I'd be like, you going to shoot that buck? It'd be like a 140 inch deer. You know, I was going to let him as a kid, I was going to let him shoot whatever he wanted off the farm. And he'd be like, nah, he ain't big enough. I'm like, dude, that's a hundred and four. That's Ohio big buck, 140 inch deer. Now nope, he's not big enough. So he'd just shoot a doe for two or three years in a row. And then finally that deer come in. He's like, yeah, I'll shoot that one. So he shot that one. And then he shot back to back. He shot two eight points that scored one forty two, and then he shot the one ninety eight, and he hasn't hunted since. Yeah, it's, that is kind of funny. My <laughs> nephew, he did the same thing. I've been there for every deer he shot, other than one. He went solo last year and killed his first deer, and I helped him find it, blood trailing it, and I've been there for his first two bucks. But yeah, it's just, it is kind of funny. Yeah, it's, it, you know, and then well, this year he. uh he tore his labrum and uh, separated his AC joint like the second um, the second football game of the season. So he's out for the season. <clears throat> so he actually looked at me on the way back from the doctor's office and said, well, looks like I get a hunt this year. <laughs> yeah, just doubled my work. I didn't plan on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like like you were saying, though, Mike, my little nephew, man, he was, he's, he's 16 now, but we shot his first deer when he was 11. 
And uh, he didn't tell me this just because he hears me talking. He knows how ate up I am. I do all the podcasts and stuff, and he hears about it. So he was doing the same thing, passing bucks. Like in our area, we're just not one of those great genetic areas. We kind of like get you, you just got to deal with the cards you get dealt, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so he was passing some good two year olds. I think he passed like a three year old. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You killed one buck and he was a three point. I was like, why are you passing him? And then uh, after I told him that last year, I killed my Kentucky buck November 9th. We came here, prime time rep for this area. We climb in the blind. You know, we're sitting there actually like midway through. It was a funny hunt. I, I The good old, the number two hit me hard. So I had to walk up like a little bit away from us, drop that, climb back in the blind 30 minutes later. Great three-year-old buck, like for his second buck, it was a great one, probably 110, 115-inch buck, something like that. And uh, he smokes him, and, uh, yeah, it's awesome. It's, the emotions are a little different. Like, don't get me wrong, when I shoot a good buck, I get jacked. But watching him shoot a buck, I was way more fired up. Yeah, that's the way I was. I, I get fired up, too. I mean, even I take – I'll take a buddy every now and then, and, and you know – they're same age as me, 45 years old, and I get just as jacked up for them as I do, you know, anybody. I, you know, as long as guys are out here doing it the right way, and, you know, I, I sometimes a couple of buddies get mad at me. They'll come up from, like, you know, North Carolina or somewhere, and I'll be like, you can't shoot that deer. And they're like, dude, that's the biggest deer I've ever seen. I'm like, dude, that's a three-year-old 150-inch deer. We're not shooting that deer. And they're like, are you serious? I'm like, yeah, that one's got potential. <laughs> yep yep i'm the same way like when, you, when you're younger or maybe your first deer like that's what i told my nephew yeah. shoot whatever you want your first deer but we're going bigger and more mature each time you kill man. yeah this is my thing is mature i don't i don't really care about the rack size but you know I, I want guys to shoot five plus year old deer off my farm i don't want them to shoot a bunch of three-year-olds i just feel like you're shooting yourself in the foot when you do that yep 100 percent. i believe in that too but, so i appreciate it man um is there anything else you want to talk about? Like anything that's been time to get you going? Something that you are just like passionate about whitetails? Uh, not really. I mean, I just, I'm like you. I just enjoy the chase. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I try to make me a list like two or three deer a year that if there's one of those three walk by that I'm going to fill my tag because I know they're old enough. And that's just the, how I, you know. And yep. then obviously, so if you could just advise, oh, sorry, what were you saying? No, I was just saying, but you also got to count once in a while there might be a bonus buck in there, you know, that comes from somewhere you don't know nothing about. But Yep, we get one of those bucks, at least one every year. He'll come through somewhere in those first parts of November, sometimes a little later, but we'll get like a mega giant, and he usually comes through one day. It's probably when a hot doe is in the area, he comes, does his business, and never see him again. Yep. So if you had to give advice to like the younger generation, man, you've been doing this a while, you've killed some great bucks, you've been successful and uh, just where like the, the hunting industry is going, like where, what's some advice you could give to somebody that's got a goal of like chasing big bucks in the future? Uh, let's see. I, I would tell them that, you know, um, I think social media is kind of ruined as far as going out and filming for guys and making a big money. I mean, I'm not saying there's, there's still a handful of guys out here that make a living out of doing it, but when mm -hmm. you have everybody and their brother out here doing it, it makes it super hard. You know, a lot of these guys are advertising people for free, you know, pushing products yeah. and, you know, or giving their own opinion or, um, you know, what do you say? Like they, uh, they review products for people for free. Uh, that makes it tough to, you know, when you got everybody doing that, 
<clears throat> and then with social media, they, these companies don't have to pay somebody to do it. They can take 10 minutes out of their own day and, and review their own product and post it, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I just tell guys, you know, just if you want to be successful, instead of pushing everybody's product and everything, you know, push your own stuff, you know, push your uh, agenda as far as, you know, going out, killing a big deer, telling a good story, showing the sheds and, and things you do, you know, I feel like you get more recognition from that than I do. You feel pushing, you know, a company. Yeah. Um, I'm the same way. I, I, yeah. I believe you just need to be you, man. There's, I yep. feel like there's a lot of guys in the industry. They're just trying to be like somebody else in the industry or be somebody yeah. or not. And that's like my whole thing with the whitetail bloodline is like, I'm just going to do me. I do a lot of dumb stuff. I try a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah. That's, that's just, that's how I learned. And I show it, man. I just, I'm a big yeah. believer in just, now, do don't get me wrong. I have a I have a handful of sponsors, and, and I push their stuff. But it's something I believe in, and I show success out of it. And I'm not saying don't do it. I'm just saying, you know, to for I feel for an individual to be successful, you have to make yourself successful. And that and that and by doing that is, you know, chasing the mature deer on your property, killing them every now and then. I'm not saying every year because it just don't happen every year. I mean, mm-hmm. that's just unrealistic to say I want to go out and kill a hundred and you know, a 200 inch deer every year, you know, it just don't happen. But if you can go out and say, Hey, this is the most mature deer I got. And you can show history of this deer and, you know, three or four deer on the places you hunt and you go out and you kill those and you, and you are successful seven out of 10 years, you know, you're killing that big mature deer and you're showing all the footage and the history of it. I just feel you're going to get further in industry than you would by going out here and pushing a product and not really killing anything. Cause there's a lot of those guys out there. Yep, 100%. I'm the same way. Like, I will never push a product that I don't believe in. Like, that's just, like, it, it just makes it harder on yourself if you kind of have to be fake. Like, hey, I love this product. I don't really use it. But, like, me, everything I'm pushing, like, I'm actually using. And you'll see me yeah. using it during during the hunting season. Like, I've got a little flack from some of my sponsors at certain points. Because at, at certain points of the year, I'm going to be kind of more so pushing the product because that's when I'm using it. I'm a big believer. Like, I kind of do mine like a vlog. Like you see yeah. everything I'm doing throughout the year and it's yep. just people notice that stuff, man. They notice the, the guys that are doing it for the right reasons, doing it for the real reasons. And like my property is 27 acres, pretty high pressure, just about all my neighbors hunt. And that's like my goal for the year. Since it's my last year, I'm going to have this family property before my parents end up selling it. So I'm doing a whole YouTube series. It's called one last buck. And I'm showing everything I'm doing this year leading into it. I'm going to show the hunting season and hopefully I kill a, a good mature buck to, to end it off right but if i don't you'll see it still you know yeah i mean that's that's what i that's what i got for the young guys is just you know don't be afraid to try things uh change things up and you know um to me being successful is is completing the hunt and that's typically harvesting the deer um Mm -hmm. but you know just document it all like you said or be able to go back and and create exactly how you did it you know focus on you and your deer not not everything else that goes with it. Yep. You got to think like the, the guys that actually blow up in the industry, they're, they're doing something new. It's like the hunting public guys. Those guys did something completely out of the box. Now they're one of the more household names in the industry just because they did it their way, you know? Yeah. I mean, you, you got a lot of guys out there. And, and if you notice, you know, like back in the day when it was Michael Waddell and all of them, you know, they, they started it kind of, you know, they, they, come in with their own way and guys like to see those big deer being killed and then kind of move to like the juries and 
Kiskis and you know they and they they're killing giant deer you know on camera year after year and they're telling secrets and you know how they're doing and everything and I just think the industry just involves like everything else and I just feel like we're kind of back to square one do you do you want to be the hunter that goes to outfitters or goes and kills as many bucks as you can that are you know 120 to 100 and whatever you know and then there's guys like me that I don't own anything. I don't lease anything. I get all my hunting by knocking on doors and, you know, I concentrate and I have the same couple farmers that let me hunt every year. And, you know, I concentrate and that's what I, that's how I focus. You know, I typically only kill one buck a year because that's all Ohio allows. And I don't really have the, the means, you know, and money to go to all these other States and hunt other properties. Yep. You know? Exactly. I'm the same boat as that. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's just realistic. Then you got, you know, like the white tail edge guys, you got Ben rising. He's worked his way up through the ranks and, you know, now he's fortunate enough to hit, be able to hit a couple other States and kill big deer and he capitalizes on it, you know, and there's just a handful of guys out there. And I just feel that young guys need to capitalize on your own state and then move on from there. And if it works out, it works out. And, you know, that's just, that's just part of deer hunt, you know, cause we all, not everybody's fortunate enough to, you know, born with a silver spoon or able to acquire one of these silver spoons on the way up through the industry. Yep. That's me, man. I'm, I'm working class as it comes. I work for my money. I'm not a rich guy at all. If I was, I'd be hunting a lot more whitetails. Like I was planning on already being in Kentucky hunting, but, uh, had some truck issues and other life issues. So yeah. hopefully make it there at the end of October, but that's just how it is for me, man. And, uh, I'm just going to hunt my way. I hunt like the one thing I'm starting to do now is I got my private land. So I do all that land management side. Everybody sees that. But then I also go dive straight into public chasing them public land bucks too. So trying to get like a little bit of both spectrums and just cause I don't have a whole lot of time, like in the next couple of years, especially after this property ends up selling, I'm going to do some door knocking like you are just so I can get some more private land to hunt better my odds. But yep. sometimes you just got to do what you're dealt, you know? Yep. And, you know, I, fortunate enough, I kind of had kids kind of young. I have a 21 year old and a 16 year old. So like now that my 16 year old has license, it's like, holy crap, I'm really retired now after all these years, you know, <laughs> being retired, but not being retired because I started running to every practice, running to school, running back from school. You know, it's just like life has actually slowed down and I'm able to actually concentrate on, you know, harvesting that giant deer. I got the time to put in and, probably the only other advice i'd give the guys is hunt smart and when i say hunt smart is if you go in there every day that's probably not the right thing to do but if you are going in there you know if you're watching like if you're a big moon phase guy or whatever me i'm a big camera guy so when he's moving i'm in there when he's not moving i'm not there i just feel that the less the better you know sometimes yep exactly and there's just little things like on this property we get a predominantly like north blowing wind and when it switches to the south that's when a lot of the bugs come in on the properties just because they know where the pressure is coming from and when the wind's usually blowing north they walk they're on yeah. the neighbors a lot just because they know that pressure is going to be there and they can smell it if the pressure is there and then when the wind switches they can smell the pressure on this side of the creek and stuff so that's yeah. a big believer in that man and just like the past few years i got a lot more methodical about the wind and especially access i've learned access is extremely important like you said when you were after that giant buck and he was sitting there watching you every time you pulled up yep you know you just keyed in on a big thing too what you just said was like you know knowing your farm you know 
yeah, I know if you picked up a new piece, you got to go in there and you got to put cameras, you got to do this, but you know, they got to do what you just said. Hey, when the wind's like this, I know I need to be over here, you know, because they get pushed out or they, or they'll feed this way instead of feeding the other way. Like you got to try to learn your farms, you know? Yep. We have something about this farm right here. It's like when, when you get a little rain system and a lot of the time when you get that rain system, it pushes the wind south and that's the I've, I've had my shooter the buck i'm after this year i've only had him on camera twice and both of those days is when the the wind switched to the south so i know where he comes out if he is going to come on the property i know the area he likes coming through it and uh hopefully i'm sitting there this year when he comes through heck yeah the deer i do have picked out this year he's probably 165 170 inch deer but he's a six and a half year old i got two years of history with him uh last year he had a bunch of trash on him and this year he kind of cleaned up um, he was there in early, well, he was there in late July, but he's disappeared. But typically I went back through all my pictures and everything and looked and he usually shows back up around mid October. So yes. if he holds his pattern true, hopefully I'll be able to harvest him. And he, like I said, he's not no 200, but he's just one that I got lots of history with. And I know he's at least six years old and it's just something I'd be happy to harvest, you know? Yep. One thing that's kind of interesting, I don't know if I ever even brought it up on the podcast, there's like three fields on our property and it slopes all the way down towards you get to the bottom one. In our main middle field, we get we have my nephews and other people that come hunt the property throughout the years. And my daddy's an older guy. He got in a bad wreck. He's, he's almost in his 60s. He's kind of crippled. So we have this huge box blind called a Taj Mahal. Like you can hunt AIs in that blind comfortably. And I've <laughs> noticed the big, giant, mature bucks that come through the property never go in that field right in front of that blind, like ever. I've never got a picture of them. They're either on either side of the tree line because the blind's sitting on one of the tree lines that leads to the bottom field and then 80 yards in front of it leads to the other. And they're either on one of, one of those sides. For some reason, they do not like going in front of that blind. Uh, they sense they sense the grim, grim reapers in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. They don't get that big, man, especially you get them older bucks like – I'll say what I haven't said too much. I think I said a little bit on the the pod, the last podcast, but this buck I'm chasing, he's at least 10 years old. He disappeared oh. since 20, 2017 and he came back this year. And I've been, been filming him on some neighboring properties and stuff. And uh, I, I just having those years of history with him, I know what he's going to do once this fall switch. I don't know exactly where he's at, but I kind of have his pattern figured out a little bit just because I've seen him a few times and have trail camera videos and pictures of him. So, uh, we're going to see, man. He's he's a unit. He looks like a horse. I've definitely never seen a bigger body deer in my life. Yeah, it's, uh, that's it was funny you said that. I got two of the deer on my wall are eight-and-a-half-year-olds, and, a half year olds and uh, one of them is T3, and then one of them is a buck that I killed uh, the year before I called Devil Horns. And uh, when he was two-and-a-half, he had tumors all over him. Like, I thought the deer was going to die. And I tried to talk my son into ending his misery one evening, and he decided not to do it, and then we – got home and he was like well let's go back tomorrow and if he shows up I'll, I'll you know i'll put an arrow in him and we'll just kind of drag him off you know because he was he had tumors all over and he just looked horrible mm-hmm. and uh we actually have that on film and uh, he showed back up the next day and he didn't have a rack so we elected to let him go um yeah you know and then he disappeared for a year we thought he was dead and he came back and then for it took me two years to kill him uh I hunted him the one year I didn't fill a tag at all a few years ago. And then last year I ended up harvesting, but he was probably the hardest buck I ever, ever hunted. And, you know, he was eight and a half years old. Yep. That's this buck, man. Like he's the most infamous buck I've ever chased. Like those two years I had history with him, or it was mainly one year, like 2017, I, I hunted him pretty hard. 
and would just miss him. Like one time my dad went and sat in that box blind and uh, he gets out of the blind and then I go check trail camera. This is before like cell cameras were super popular. And that buck walked in there five minutes after he might not have ever walked by the blind, but he was about 60 yards right behind that blind. So it's just, uh, it's just funny. Like that buck, I think my best odds is just playing the wind, playing it smart, but just a little bit of time in the stand as well. Cause he's going to come through at some point and you, you got to be in the stand when he does. Oh yeah. I mean, like you said, it, when you hunt smart, it's, it's certain times of year and certain patterns and certain winds. You just know you got to be in there. But, uh, I mean, I just feel some of these young guys, they hunt every day, all day. And, you know, yep. if, if you put yourself on a pattern, you're not doing yourself any, any help sometimes. Yep. Like, I, I know some guys that have a tree stand that sat in the same spot for 10 years, and those bucks know that, man. They'll, they'll go out of their way to walk around that just so you can't see them. So, yep. some of them young guys switch your stands. Even move at 50 yards, I've heard, makes a big difference. And I've seen it. Oh, it yeah. definitely does. I have a tree stand that used to be in a, we called it the quick crop. Um, the first five, 10 years I hunted it, like you said, if you were there in November, from November 1st to November 20th, if you sit there every day, you're going to kill a, you know, a mature deer. And then it got to the point where the last few years I've noticed they skirt it. Like he'll be 60, 70 yards out in a wide open field. He'll, he'll cut that corner right there to quick crossing. So yeah. I actually moved that stand this year. I just moved it a couple weeks ago. I've noticed with these bigger bucks in this area, they rarely ever go right into the opening. They're usually sticking through like little thickets. They'll move through the property just in like the smartest way they can, man. So you barely have time to see them unless you're like right there in that spot. Yep. That is true. So Davey, man, I appreciate it. Um, I'm actually going to start doing this segment soon. Uh, I call it like, I think I call it the weekly whitetail report where I'll just call guys for five, 10 minutes and just see, uh, like, what do you expect for the movement to be this week, all that kind of stuff, like, in your area. So, hopefully, uh, you'll be free, man. I want to give you a haul. You're a big buck killer, so. Yeah, let me know. I'll let you know what's on the cameras, you know, and go from there and try to help guys out. Because, you know, like like a lot of people, you know, probably think, oh, these guys ain't going to tell you everything. But me, man, like I said, if you're doing it the right way, and, dude, I want to see people kill big deer. I like to go see big dead deer, you know. Everybody does. Yep. That's I'm in this industry. So I, yep, I'm not a hater. I like, to, I like to help guys out and be successful all I can. Yep, 100%, man. I appreciate you. Uh, hopefully a, a giant, another 200-inch buck shows up out of nowhere with this fall shift and you lay another one down, man. Yeah, I hope you're right. I know where a couple <laughs> are, but they just – one of them's completely off the market because – the two guys that are hunting it know about the deer and then the, the neighbor don't allow any hunting. So we had to just walk away from that area. But I just found another one that might be close to 200, but I'm trying to work on that piece right now. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Yep. You can be as methodical as you want, but sometimes you just, there's, <laughs> there's a little bit of luck into it. Like the huff buck, man, that buck traveled like six or eight miles and then huff buck first time walking back there, he shoots that typical <laughs> record. So you never yeah, know. Austin, That's what yeah. I yeah, talked to yeah. Dustin a couple of times and he was like, yeah, that was mainly luck. <laughs> yeah. He, I was actually very fortunate enough is right when I started my podcast in 2020, he was like one of my first episodes. And that was the first one that ever got him on a podcast when he killed that buck. Couple, like That's a awesome. week after. Yeah. A week after he killed it. So it was pretty cool. And now I talk to him all the time. I've had him on the podcast another time to catch up. Genuine guy, man. Not a nicer guy could have killed that buck. Yeah. He, he's, uh, he's, and, and you know, he's not like, uh, 
I don't want to like put him down or say anything bad, but like he's not like extreme buck hunter like you and I are. He's just no, a no, he's missing, he's like, yeah, he's, he's like, like to go guy to with hunting, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's I love it, man. Like you said, I don't care how you hunt. If you want to shoot a two-year-old buck and that fires you up and you're jacked up the rest of the season because yeah. you did, I'm all for it. That's not what I'm going to do, but I'm all for yeah. it if you are. Yeah, I just say you got to, like you said, you got to look at your area, and if it produces giants, sometimes you got to let those three, four-year-olds go. If it don't produce giants, then, you know, whatever floats your boat, just do it the right way, you know. Yep, exactly. So, Davey, man, where can uh, people, like, find you and see these giant, beautiful bucks you've killed? Uh, I, I run, actually. I have an Instagram, and I have a Facebook. My Instagram is just Davey Stookie. And then um, it's uh, actually Davy Stuckey underscore hunting. Yep. And, and I, I've been meaning to message you, and then I saw you, like, repost that, that buck after you made the magazines, and it just, like, rejogged my memory. And I appreciate you a lot, for, a lot for hopping on, man. I love hearing these big buck stories, and especially guys that are passionate about it, doing it for the right reasons. So I appreciate you a lot for hopping on, man. All right, buddy. You guys take care and call me anytime. Yes, sir. Have a good one. All right. See ya.